0: your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to start today in verse 17. Today is a part two from last week. If you joined us last week, you'll know where I'm going today. Last week, we talked about ye are gods. And I showed you that the Bible calls humans gods, and thankfully that wasn't controversial to anybody here or online because people who know us and hear our confession uh, understand that we do not believe in multiple gods as real gods. But yet the Bible calls different creatures gods. The Bible says that there are angels, they're called gods, humans are called gods, Uh, Satan who's a fallen angel is called the god of this age, and so forth. And so what we hear is that there are creatures that are called gods, gods, everybody say gods, amen, plural. So you might think that's strange as a Christian to come to a church that just confessed there's one god that we talked about ye are gods last week and I had you look at your neighbor and say you're a god. And that was like a trick because some of you were like, I don't know if I should do that because I don't believe in that. But it's okay in the sense of understanding how the scripture uses it. So I want you to see why I'm talking about that today again. And then I have more notes for you. If you have the app or online at our website, you can check it out. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was revealed to you, not by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. What was revealed to him? Who Jesus is. He's The Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Everybody say, keys of the kingdom. Thank you, keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now go ahead and scroll down there, brother, for these notes. I have a lot of them there. We're going to talk about that kind of funny picture in just a minute, but uh, go ahead and scroll down. Perfect, so everybody can see that. Turn with me now to John chapter 10, verse 34, and I want to tie it into our series. So we're in a series right now, learning about the church. Everybody say, the church. Thank you. In the church, there are God's rulers. God's rulers have been called gods and lords and kings and princes in the Scripture. Even though we know there's only one God, there's only one Lord, there's only one king, and there's only one prince of peace. Can I hear an amen? So you're going to understand that, but you need to see it first to get the idea of why we're here. You need to like, in one sense, I need to tie a knot to untie it, but more than just kind of showing you this neat aspect of the scriptures, I want to show you why it applies to you in the church and why Peter was given keys of the kingdom. Now notice what Jesus said here. Is it not written in your law, I have said you are what? You are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came and Scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father has set apart at his very own and has sent him into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? blaspheming? Because I have said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Some may say, you are gods. Do you see that I just said that right there from the scriptures? Jesus said that. Now, this is going over review. Now, look at your neighbor and say, review is for you, okay? It's for everybody, even though if you were here last week and you got every single point that I said, it's still good that you get the review. Notice Jesus doesn't correct the Old Testament, for calling them gods. So he actually uses it as a starting point for him being the Son of God. As we've read in Matthew chapter chapter 16, Peter got the star next to his name because he rightly proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, as we've talked about that before, Jesus is not just a son of God, as we are sons and daughters of God. He, as a son, is equal to his father. So take, for example, we're adopted into the family of God, made sons and daughters, but we are not the actual sons and daughters of God. Can I hear an amen? You're adopted into God's kingdom, but you are not of the same nature of God. So let me just give you an example. I can adopt a child into the Wyrostic family, but do they have the Yrostic DNA? No. So that is the difference between us and Jesus. Jesus is God by DNA and he's equal to the Father as the Son. We are God-like, Godly, brought into the family, but we are not equal to the Father and the Son or the Holy Spirit. Everybody tracking with me? So it's just to be understood like that. Now notice Jesus is making this argument. I'm not making this argument. Jesus is making this argument. That is his whole point. The Jews in the book of John want to stone him for blasphemy. Blasphemy means to make yourself equal to God in this context. That's what they're upset about. And they're upset that he's calling himself God's son. Now, if everybody is just a son or daughter of God who's in covenant with God, adopted by God, this is not merely by creation being called sons and daughters of God. So those who say we're all sons and daughters of God in a general sense, it's not true unless you've been adopted into the literal family. We are creatures of God, but we're not in the family of God unless we're in covenant with God. Can I hear an amen to that? Just want to make sure you understand that we're still in the, uh, the orphanage of the devil, and the devil is a bad taskmaster, okay? And he's a bad slave master. And so we're in that orphanage until we get back Adopted in. Now notice this. Jesus is saying that you guys are upset with me for calling myself the son of God. And they understood that to be in that unique sense. Because otherwise they just would have been like, Oh, you're you're a son of God. Well, I'm a son of God. We're cool then, right? No, no, they understood Jesus by calling himself the son of God was making himself equal to the Father. How many get that? Can I hear an amen? Amen. I was listening to myself the other day, and I'm like, I stopped like 20 times and asked you if you guys are tracking with me. And then every time I go back to my message, I'm like, why do I do that? And then I go, I go back to preaching, and I look at your blank stares. That's why I do that. That's why I do that, because I'm just not a communicator that just wants to preach into the air as if you're not listening. I got to make sure that I, I connect with some blank stares here, Okay. Jesus is being accused of blasphemy because they know that he is not merely a son of God like how we are a son of God. Amen? He is claiming equality with God like the very family member in my house would say, I am equal to my father because I have the DNA of my father. That is the difference. Jesus is equal to the father. That's why he says, don't just believe. Believe me when I say I'm God's son, believe me because I can do whatever the Father does and the Father is in me and I am in the Father. That kind of relationship has never existed up until this point. Can I hear an amen? Now because of Jesus and the cross, we will then be in Jesus and then we can be in the Father, but Jesus is our mediator. No one gets to the Father but by Jesus. Can I hear an amen for that? Okay, so you all are tracking with me. But why do we go here? not for Jesus' argument of divinity. That is a great point. That's also the point that uh, Peter is making, but we have gone through that. When he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, he doesn't mean Peter is not just saying, Jesus, you're a son, just like I'm a son of God. We're both sons of God. That means we're brothers. No, that's not what he's talking about. When, When Peter said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, he's saying, you're God like the Father. You only do what the Father does, and you have to track through the book of Matthew, the book of John, and we've done that before weeks prior. Why I am here today is because of that first point. What Jesus builds up to the main point is he says, don't just get upset that I am telling you that I am God's son in this unique way because God also has unique other relational sons. This would be adopted. And he calls them God's too." Does everybody get that? Look up at verse 34. Is it not written in your law? That's the first five books of the Old Testament. I have said you are what? God's. So Jesus' argument is this. If the Father can call creatures God's and they're not equal to him, how much more should you accept me being God, the Son, equal to the Father, if I have a unique relationship with him that no one else does? Does everybody get that? That's the entire point of that. Now let me show you where he called them gods. The quote is directly from Psalm. Let's go there. Psalm chapter two. Uh, excuse me. Psalm chapter eighty-two, verses one through six. And starting in verse six, and then we'll work our way back up. There's the context of Psalm eighty-two, and then there's the actual quote. So in Psalm eighty-two six, he says the exact quote that Jesus just said. And brother, if I could get a little mic in the um, the. Uh, The monitors, please. And it's also working a little bit weird, so I don't know if there's a damper. The battery's bad. Please and thank you. Now, notice in verse 6, I have said you are what? Gods. You are what? Gods. You are all sons of the Most High. So notice, this right here is the quote that Jesus is saying. Does everybody get that? But I said, does everybody get that? This is the quote that Jesus is saying. Have I not said you are gods? But the psalmist David is not The one who heard this first, the one who heard this first was Moses because he says, is it not written in your law? Go to the John passage so everybody can see it, please. Is it not written in your law? I have said you are God's. Now is the book of Psalms considered to be the law of the Israelite people? No, it's not considered the law. It's a book of poetry and songs. It also provides prophecy, but it is not the law. The law came to Moses in the first five books known as the Torah. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. So now let's go actually to the Torah where men are called gods. Going back to our notes, let me make sure I have the right reference here, please. Scroll over. Go to Exodus 7 verse 1. Notice that, oh uh, no, starting uh, Exodus chapter 21, verse 5, and then we'll go to Exodus 7. I didn't show you Exodus 7 last week, and I want to show it to you here. Exodus chapter 21, verse 5. Make sure that you see this clearly because the Bible is not going to contradict itself. Exodus 21 verse 5. But if the servant declares, now this is a part of the law what they're supposed to do with their servants who want to stay with their masters. And by the way, this shows you that the slavery of the south that people did in the name of Jesus in American history was not biblical. Slavery in the Bible was totally different with them, thank you sir. With a master servant relationship that would be like a boss and employee relationship. It was so good and well done. That after you had paid off your debts or you were no longer a threat because you had been captured in war, you could remain in the family you had served in. Now, how many think Kuta Kinte wanted to stay with Bubba in the south? No, like that, that, that would never happen. They're never just, hey man, I wanna stay around. But notice the passage of this scripture. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and my children. Kudakinte did not love his master, okay? I lo- and that's a you know from the color purple. Anybody remember watching that movie? Did anybody watch? It's an old school movie. I love my master and my wife and my children and don't want to go free. So I don't want to go out there on my own and start my own business. I want to keep working here. This is a boss employee relationship. Then his master must take him before the judges. He shall take him to the door of the post and pierce his ear with an awe. Then and he will be a servant for life. So it's like he's got his, uh, his credentials now to work in that business and stay there. So just anytime somebody talks about what Christians did in the South, remember how that was a cult of Christianity. That's not biblical Christianity. When people talk about conquistadors, that's not biblical Christianity. We go through the Bible and we show them that man stealing, that treating others as you would not want to be treated is considered unjust. Now there is just war, but just war is not covered in conquering to uh, oppress and those things. Can I I hear an amen to that. Know your history in a woke generation and get woke to the Word of God. Amen? Stop sleeping on this and get woke to the Bible. We, we ain't new to this. We true to this. Amen? So anytime somebody wants to talk about this, I just tell them, look at Moses, uh, Harriet Tubman. She was called Moses. And you know why she was called Moses? Because she was a Christian leading the Underground Railroad, helping people get out of slavery. She wasn't named after Muhammad who owned slaves and trafficked slaves long before the Europeans that were in Islamic Africa, there are still slaves to this day. Look up the slave trade in Liberia even going on right now black on black from Muslims. Okay, but listen to me. Jesus did not own slaves. He came to set them free and to bring them into his house to be a servant. Amen. Does everybody get that? That's how it was. And in the New Testament, if you're going to war, you're going for the just causes of morality. Like how, just to give everybody some history here, even though my people were not here, most of your people were not here. Our people came into World War One time. But listen, it was white Christians that killed other supposed fake white Christians in the Civil War. You all understand that? It wasn't Africans defending themselves and it wasn't other nations fighting Americans to set those people free. It was Americans killing, killing their brother, killing the people across the border to set them free because that's how much they believed in this and being understood to follow the morals of the Bible. Amen. And it was led by Christians. The abolitionist movement was led by Christians. The woman suffrage movement was led by Christians. The greatest charitable acts in this nation, which are still the greatest in the world, led by Christians. Learn about the history of the YMCA. It's not the Young Communist Association. It's the Young Christian Association. Are you listening to me? And then learn about the goodwill. Learn about Salvation Army. Listen to that name, Salvation Army. Amen? So if anybody wants to say, well, I'm against slavery and I'm against white nationalists, so are we and so is the church, amen? We've always been against it. Well, I see a Christian over here and they do it. They're wrong now. They've been wrong then and they'll always be wrong. How much do we believe that they're wrong? That we'll put a cannon in their chest and say, let Kuta Kinte go. You understand that? Amen. Come on somebody. And I was just watching yesterday by God's grace as I take my rabbit trail here. I like to always put those into sermons because you live in a real world where there's a lot of people with false ideas about this Bible right here. I was watching Saving Private Ryan which I think is probably one of the best movies I've ever seen about war and how reality is. And I was crying in the middle of it teaching my children about what real war looks like even though I haven't been there but I'm you know, basing it on what people have said about this. And I was saying you know, notice this. In the cultural way it was white people killing other white people. You understand? And you know the reason why white people were killing other white people because it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. You want to do that over there. We're going to storm your beaches and put an M16 up your throat. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or whatever weapons we had at that time. Do you understand that? So the world wants uh, people of color to be against people of white, which by the way, I'm colored. This is white. Do I got some color on me? You may not like the color, but it's color. Are you listening to me? So the people of this world wants to make it a people of color against white, and they don't even understand. White people have killed white people. White people have enslaved white people. You ever seen the movie Gladiator, which is the next movie I want to have, or uh, if you've seen Braveheart, these kind of movies, it was a slavery going on from France to England to Italy to Spain, them trying to conquer and conquistador each other. Are you listening? I said, are you listening? The Bible teaches us that the slavery of the Bible was different. That's all I want you to understand, right? I can't go. <laughs> I literally told myself, You don't have to go there. Just show them the word God's in there. But I have to go there. There's a part of me that wants to keep it short and sweet, but then I got the Holy Ghost anointing, I believe. I believe it's God. I'm not just saying everything I do is God, but I believe there's something to do with teaching our church about the things of God from slavery to war to politics that makes you a better Christian. Can I hear an amen? Oh, praise God. Now, going back to this, put on the Hebrew there, please, so they can see the word judges. What is the word judges in Hebrew, people? God's Elohim. This is where he calls them gods. Now, last time we broke the computer. Hopefully, we don't this time. Just go ahead and scroll up a little bit for me. See that word judges right there? That's the word Elohim. That's the same exact word for God. Go to Exodus chapter 22, verse 1, please, and and, and do it on a new tab because you're going to have to go back to this, okay? Exodus You've already been there. 82. Verse 1. You've already been there, my brother. Did you already change it? You you should have it. Yep, there you go. Where, no, it's there, it's right up there, brother. Now go up to verse one. I said Exodus 82. Oh, Lord, forgive me then. Thank you. You better help me, Lord, because I give them a hard time back there, and I got to ask for forgiveness. And I feel so bad. Owe oh, them all like coffees and meals and stuff. And sometimes people take up their cause. Pastor, don't so mean to the sound, guys. Listen, they know that I ask for forgiveness. Don't I ask for forgiveness? They're shaking. I love them. I hug them. I tell them how much I appreciate them. Okay, now notice this, verse 1 of 82, which we didn't get into before. We only read verse 6, you are gods, right? But you'll die like mortals. But now look at this verse right here. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the what? Gods, which is the word Elohim. Now, where is God ruling among the gods? According to Jesus, it's in the law. Where did we just read about that? Go to that Exodus passage now, please. Go to the Exodus Chapter 21, where we just were at, where is he ruling among the gods? He's among his judges. Does everybody see that? So the people of Israel had a government, and it was ruled by the prophet and by the judges. This was before the time of the king. The king, and and becoming a part of Israel, that was after paganism. That's not taught in the law. It's actually forbidden, and don't do it, and if you do, it's going to go bad for you. It was prophesied there. The nation of Israel was to be led by a Moses-like prophet. And then the judges among the people. And those judges among the people, according to God, are called who? Elohim, which also means what? God's. Now go back to uh, John, please, because it's not me. This is not me. I got to just tell people this. Sometimes, you know, uh, preachers want to take credit for what they do and come up with in the scriptures, write a book and sell it for $10.99 and then do their conferences for 199 But if you pre register, you'll get in for $125. You know, I'm just, all I'm doing is working the words. Somebody say, working. Amen. Jesus said, is it not written in your law, ye are gods? King James, ye are gods. Is it not written? Who's talking there? Somebody say Jesus. Now, if you understand Jesus, you understand his point. But most people don't understand what he's saying there. What did he mean in the law they were called gods? Well, you take it back exactly to where that quote is. That's Psalm 82. You are gods. And it starts off in verse 1, God rules among the gods. Okay, now I understand David got it, but where did David get it from? Because David's, uh, uh, Jesus said it came from the law. That's when you go to Exodus. Can I hear an amen? Now go to Exodus chapter 7 verse 1, one a new tab. Leave those tabs up, please. Exodus chapter 7 verse 1. What was Moses to Pharaoh? Then the Lord said to Moses, I have made you like what? God to Pharaoh. Put that in the King James for me, please. The translators there want to use the word like to soften what it's saying, but it's not there in the, in the original Hebrew. In the original Hebrew, which is taken better out of the literal translation of the King James, see, I have made thee a what? A God to Pharaoh. We understand the word like as to say something like this, something like that. But, but notice how strong that word comes out. I made you a God to him. I made you a God to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is going to look at you, and he's going to think you're a God by the time this thing is done. Now, once we get that established, now that I have said all of this, people will then ask the question, are we contradicting the Scripture? And we are not. Somebody say, no contradiction. Now, just put in that tab, Deuteronomy 10, 17. God in the same law says he's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. Deuteronomy 10, verse 17, for the Lord your God is what? God God of who? And Lord of what? Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. And when it says God is terrible, it's not like, oh, you terrible, you terrible. No, it's not like God is a bad God. It's saying that you don't want to mess with them. Even in our word awesome, we say it so much that we don't see the awe in the sum. God is so awe inspiring that when you see him, he is terrible to encounter as your enemy, but kind as your father. Can I hear an amen? How many know there's some good men here that are nice and are friendly, but there'll be a terrible opponent if you want to take them on right now? You get what I'm saying? Like, I would put myself as one of those. I'm not saying I'm the toughest, John. I'm not saying I'm the baddest. I'm just saying, like, it's not going to go good for you. There's going to be some scratches on you at least. That's why when I watch fighting with my kids, and they're always, like, wondering, like, Dad, why didn't you do that? Because I didn't want to get hit in the mouth every day for, for my job, you know? It's like UFC dudes, they're bad. I mean, they're awesome. But you look at what they have to go through the win to fight. The guy who wins the fight is still bloody. You all understand what I'm saying? The guy who wins the fight, is still black-eyed and blue, bruised and all that. There was a something about that when I was growing up, and I'm like, I don't want to get hit in the face all the time. You know, but I have a lot of respect for him. But I'm just gonna tell you right now, even if you win the fight, you're not gonna feel like you just walked out of here without being in a fight. Amen. Can I hear an amen? We're not afraid of strength in this place. But notice this right here. God's a terrible God, according to the King James. He's mighty. He's amazing. Now, what does it say he is? He's the God of gods. He's the Lord of lords. So how do we reconcile this idea of there's only one God? Go quickly with me to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 45. There's only one God. Verse 10. How do we uh, rectify this with he's the God of gods? Is there a contradiction in the scripture? I think not. Isaiah chapter 45. Let me look at my notes. I have the wrong Isaiah patch. Uh, scroll down just a little bit. It's not going to be there. Just, just go, scroll down a little bit. Uh, I'm, there's no God before me or after me. It's not going to be verse 10. Just keep going down. There we go. There we go. Now notice this right here in verse 14. Go up to verse 14, please. Surely God is with you, and there is no other. And there is no other what? There is no other what? God. But now go back to the one that it says that he's the God of gods and that we're called gods. Just go to, uh, just give me, uh, let's start with uh, Psalm 82, verse 1. Give me Psalm 82, verse 1. What does it say? He's God among the gods. And you could take it off the Hebrew because it says it just as well in English. God is great in the assembly. He renders judgment among the who? Gods. Now just go back to the other one that we just read in Isaiah. There's no other what? God. Now, how do we reconcile that? How do we reconcile that with the scripture? And then go to uh, Psalm. Uh, uh, excuse me. Go to Exodus chapter seven, verse one. Exodus chapter seven, verse one. And what does it say here? I will make you a what to Pharaoh? I will make you a god. And then going right back, please. I just want everybody to see this to the Isaiah passage. And then what does he say about himself? There is no god besides me. There is no other. Does everybody get that? Amen. Now, just scroll up a little bit, please, because I do have verse 10, and I want to see why it's not there. Go up there, and then uh, Lauren, look it up for me, and where it says, uh, yeah, it's not going to be Isaiah 45, 10. Somebody look, uh, Lauren, look it up for me where it says, before me there is no God formed, nor will there be one after me. Now, how do I reconcile this? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Somebody say, make it plain. I have to do this because otherwise people won't take it serious when the Bible calls them gods, and they won't take it serious that he's the only God. There is a solution to this, but you have to take it serious. And I want that passage where it says there's no God before me and there's no God after me. 43.10. Thank you. Put it up there quickly, and then we'll get to the Corinthians one. Isaiah 43.10. How many are happy we still pulled it out of Isaiah 45? Amen. He repeats it a lot, by the way, in Isaiah 44 through 46. God is continually defining who he is. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant who I am chosen. This is why I want you to understand this. So that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me know what was formed? God, nor will there be one after me. Now, why is this important? Because the same arguments that I'm using right now, the Jehovah Witnesses use as well as Mormons to make other gods. You notice where it says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord? That's what Jehovah Witnesses use, and they put the word Jehovah, which is the German rendition of Yohei Vahe in the Hebrew, Yahweh. So that's why they call themselves Jehovah Witnesses. But really, they're the devil's witnesses because they're liars. What they say about Jesus is that Jesus is a second created God after the Father, and we worship both the Father and we worship Jesus. Jesus as God's plural. They'll never tell it to you like that, but that's what their doctrine boils down to. Then the Mormons will say that we have a God over this universe, and there's only one God, but then there are gods above him. As universes are many, there are gods that are many. And so if we now do what is right, we as humans can become God, because God was once a human like us. And so in their mindset, God is a human that got exalted. God was once a human, now he's an exalted God god that is not that is not even made up according to what preachers do to make them look silly that's what they believe and so when you ask them about exaltation ask them about that word exaltation what does it mean to a mormon they will say we like our heavenly father are starting off human and then we'll be exalted to god now how many know that if jesus is an actual god after the father this scripture could not be true Because it says there is no God formed after him as a real, literal God. Can I hear an amen? How many know Mormonism couldn't be true because there is no God ever after this one true God? Does everybody get that? Does everybody get that you cannot be a God after our God? There's not one formed before him, nor will there be one after him. Can I hear an amen? Okay, now go back to Psalm 82, verse 1. I have to draw this out because people get confused here. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the what? Now, how do we reconcile that? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and then we're gonna to get to the message. Somebody say it's just the review. We're not even at the message yet, okay? This is every, I remember hearing this last week. I did add a scripture or two to the review, but it's still the review. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. And this is what I had in my heart, but I wasn't able to get to. Notice what the scripture says about who these people are. Starting in verse 2. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. So, people who think they understand all this, but they're not Christians and they don't have the wisdom of God, they don't know what they're talking about. Verse 4 So, then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there's no God but one. So, what's going on is people are fighting over idolatry, whose God is right in the Roman Empire. Christians are being persecuted. And Paul says they don't know what they're talking about unless they really know God. And if you know God, you'll understand God. And the first thing that he teaches is that idols aren't any gods at all. There's only one God. Now watch verse 5. For even though there are so-called gods, and let's put this in the King James again, First Corinthians chapter 8 verse 4, because the word so-called is not even in the literal Greek again. Once again, our uh, Lower casing of, of gods to make it seem less than it's not in the actual word, so it's like capital G, God is the real God, and it's lowercase G gods. That's not there. The quotations around God is not there, that's not in the Hebrew. And then, like, like, like he says to Moses, I'll make you like a God. The word like is not there. And then here, so-called gods, it's not there. Hebrews, uh, uh, the Greek here in the King James is more literal. For there be that are called what? Look at verse 5. For there be that are called what? Gods. Not so-called gods. They're called gods. Does everybody get that? There be that are called what? Gods. Whether in heaven or in what? Earth. As there be what? God's many and Lord's many. You see, how do you rectify that with Isaiah 43 and Isaiah 45. There's God's many. There's Lord's many, but there's only one God. No God formed after him, nor God before him. And even here, just in the context, there is none other but God who is one. Is Paul contradicting himself? Is Paul contradicting the Old Testament? No, because now watch this. But to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we are in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are how many things? All things, and we by him. Now understand this. Let's just get rid of Mormonism. Let's get rid of Jehovah's Witnesses, and let's get back to the Scripture. I just want to say this one more time. If Jesus is a created God after the Father, can all things be through Jesus Christ? Everybody think about it. Just scroll this up just a little bit, please. By whom? Watch my hand. Thank you. By whom are how many things? All. All things. If Jesus is not the ultimate creator, he would have to be a thing the creator made, correct? If he is not the all creator, if he is not the all creator, then how could all things come through him? The only one that can have all things come through him is the all creator. Does everybody get that? Please go back to our first tab and put in John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, right? And through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Who is the word according to John? Jesus. Through him how many things were made? All things were made. Without him, how many things were made? Nothing. So without him, how many things were made? Nothing. No thing was made that has been made. If Jesus is made, then John is a liar. If Jesus is made, then Paul is a liar. Does everybody get that? You're learning doctrine today, okay? Jesus cannot be made. Jesus makes all things. Amen? Now, going back to that Corinthians passage, I just wanted to show that to you. Paul says the exact same thing. Yet to us, one God and Father, from whom all things came. So as the Father is the source of all things, is not Jesus equal with him? Because all things come from him. Does everybody see that? Can anybody be like God the Father? Can anybody be like God the Son? Can anybody be like God the Holy Spirit? And these three are one. This is the doctrine of the Trinity. But what have we just learned? That there are many gods and many lords. And it puts so-called there, but that's not in the original. There are many things called gods and lords. Well, who's the one that calls them that? Not only just humans call other humans gods or things gods, God himself calls others gods. That's why the word so-called should not be there, because it's literal. Go back to Psalm 82, verse 1. God presides among the assembly of the what? God's. Who's speaking? If we believe Scripture is inspired, who is speaking right here? God. Scroll on down to verse 6. Ye are God's, I said. Who is the I right here speaking? God. I said, ye are what? God's, and then see what the son says, if you still have it up, John 10, 34. He said, ye are gods. Jesus speaks it. God the Father, God the Son, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, calls others gods. Who called called Moses a god to Pharaoh? God called him. Okay, this is Jesus calling people gods. Go back to Exodus chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, who is speaking here? The Lord, God, see, I have made you God to Pharaoh. Does everybody get that? So who called Moses God to Pharaoh? God did. Is he contradicting himself? No, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. This is Holy Ghost aerobics. Y'all getting in spiritual shape? (laughs) There are those who are called God's many. There are those who are called Lord's many. But there is only one God, the Father, one God, the Son, one God, the Holy Spirit. These three are one, from whom all things have come. Can someone grab me some water, please? Thank you. Brothers and sisters, can God call other beings God? Can God call other beings God? Yes or no? Okay, guys, we're going to be here for a little bit longer. Thank you. Go back to Psalm 82, verse 1. Can God call other beings God? Let's see it up there, guys. Psalm 82, verse 1. There are other gods that are called gods, beings that are called gods. Who's one of the persons that calls gods, people gods? Who, who does that? God does that. God does that. John chapter 10, verse 34. Who calls people gods? Does, does God do that? Yes. So are there beings called God that are not the one true all creator gods? Yes, who calls them that? God calls them that. Who called the judges gods? God called them gods. God did that. You don't understand that? Now, what does Isaiah 43, Isaiah 45, what we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 8? What they all teach us is that they are called gods, but they are not the God. Amen. I just had to say that because for some reason. We are not great at nuance in the evangelical church. We hear people say that there are other gods, and we instantly think to ourselves about idols and about false gods of the different nations, and we don't understand that God himself called good people gods. Does everybody get that? He called Moses a god. That's what God called him. God called Moses God. (laughs) That it's not wrong to call somebody God. If, Mo- if, if the Lord calls Moses God, you could call somebody God. The pro- <laughs> You all with me? The problem is, is when somebody calls themselves God and doesn't have God's approval to do that, and then they mean what they call themselves as God is something different than what God calls them as God. Does everybody get that? When Jay-Z calls himself a God, he's a fool. He is not a God according to anybody's standard. He's a fool according to the Bible standards. When people call themselves the God of basketball or the God of this, they are fools. They have no right to do that. They are idolaters. But God has gods that he rules with. Keep it up there now. Psalm 82 verse 1. I'm going to explain this until I feel like it's no longer like hard to get. I am Polish and I will repeat it four times. God does something among these beings called gods. God rules among these beings that he calls gods. Does everybody see that? If he didn't want to call them gods, he could have called them whatever he wanted to call them. He could have said, I preside among the great assembly of the simpletons. He could have said, He renders judgment among just the humans. He could have he used whatever term he wanted, but the term that he used for them was the very term he gave himself. And show it in the Hebrew, please. He uses the term Elohim for himself. Does everybody understand that? And then what term does he use for them? That same exact term. Now go to verse 6, please. Why is this important? Because this is what we're called to do. You are the new gods that God rules among. Take it off of the Hebrews uh, there and then look at it. I said you are what? Gods. Who's speaking there? God. But you are all, and you are sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Why did God have a problem with his gods according to the Old Testament? Because those judges who were supposed to do the right thing in Israel were not doing the right thing. Go to John 10, 34. I'm just going to keep bouncing. It's, it's, not, I'm, it's not like I'm doing Bible hopscotch here. I'm literally just showing you the context of what Jesus said right from the beginning. Have I not said in your law, you are God's? If he called them God's to whom the word of God came and Scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one the Father has set apart as his very own sent into the world? So why did Jesus bring this up? Jesus is bringing this up because the Jews did not recognize that they were meant to be the God that make godly judgment. they were the bad gods, they were the bad judges. they're just like the ones who are getting punished in Psalm 82. they're not doing the right thing. Go to job chapter one please. Angels have not done the right thing. humans have not done the right thing. Job chapter one. how many have read job before? It is encouraging scripture. Now, I want you to scroll down here and see when the angels present themselves before God. Go to verse 6, please. Notice this here. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. Does everybody see that? Now, put on the Hebrew there, please. This is one of the oldest books of the Bible, okay? Verse 6. It's going to be up. When you put on the Hebrew, it switches the the passage, and I don't know why, but go up to verse 6, please. Now notice when they come to him, verse 6, scroll down just a little bit. Take your time and you'll see it. Notice what he calls these angels. Go ahead, my brother. Just go down here just a little bit. Notice what he calls them, okay? Maybe you were in the right or close to the right spot. Where are we in this passage? Verse 5, keep going. Let's keep going. For each of them thinks perhaps. There we go. Thank you. Do you see this word right here, ben Halohim. Ben-hala, or Ben-ha, Elohim, does everybody see this? The angels are also called sons of God. Sons of God. Why are angels called sons of God? We are called sons of God, and Jesus is called sons of God. Are we all the same kind of creature? No, it's because each one of us has different places of authority. Jesus, as the son of God, is equal to the Father in his exact nature. He is the creator of all things. The angels, like us, were created with dominion. I believe that the angels were given dominion over the heavenly realms. Does everybody track with me there? Uh, 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 Humans were given dominion over the earthly and animal realm. Everybody tracking with me? Okay. But both of those lost their places. Both of those lost their authority. So when we see Psalm 82, he reigns among the gods. Michael Heiser in his book, The Unseen Realm, if you could put it back up there, Psalm 82, verse 1, says that this not only applies to humans, it also applies to those angels. Because angels are called gods as well. When Saul goes to see the witch of Endor and a demon comes to deceive him, she says, I see a god, I see an Elohim, the same exact word is used, of demons. Can I hear an amen? It's also used of the devil. How many have heard it used of the devil before? Go to 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. There is battle between the gods. Think about that. There's battles going on between the gods that the Bible has called gods. The God of this age has what? Has blinded the mind of the unbeliever. Sounds like there's a God that's out of place. See, remember when Paul said, there are many gods, there are many lords, but there is only one God and Father from whom all things have come. And there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ, from whom all things have come. Amen? So these angels were appointed with their authority. Humans were appointed with their authority. Go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. And God has reigned among them as the sole all-creator God in that sense. There is only one all-creator. There's no one before him. There's no one after him. And humans do not become God like that. Angels do not become God like that. There's none before and there's none after. He's the first and the last. Can I hear an amen? He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. But look at when he creates humans. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over. The fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every other living creature that moves on the ground. Highlight these words, subdue it, rule over. See, God created us to be his gods on the earth, his rulers. Subdue it and rule over, please. When I say the word subdue it, you think of someone in charge, don't you? When I, think, when I hear the word rule over, I think of someone in charge. Now let me ask you a question. Do we still have this authority in the natural as we had in the Garden of Eden? No, because we lost it. We have certain kinds of privileges over the animals, and yeah, we subdued them in some way, but we're not ruling over the earth as God called us to. We're in a battle now. We're in a battle against Satan. And go to Luke chapter 4, verse 5. Satan got our authority in that garden, Jesus had to come to get it back. And that's why you and I have to understand how this works because the church is the place where we demonstrate we have that authority. Notice it in Luke chapter 4, verse 5. The devil led him, talking about Jesus' temptation, to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be what? Yours. Wow. How did Satan get all the kingdoms of the world? We gave it to him. Did God give it to him? Who did God give all the kingdoms of the world to? To us. But we gave it to him when we sinned. And then God established us through the law to try to get it back. Did those judges who got the authority of God get it back? No, they did the wrong thing and they were cursed. Did the angels who had their authority get it back? No, they got damned. Some of them are in hell right now. Others are allowed to roam the earth. So who got it back, y'all? Jesus. Now you understand why Jesus came in the flesh? Go to uh, Matthew chapter 16. Are you ready for the message now? That was all the review. You ready for the message? I'm being honest with you. I need to know if you're ready. Because if not, I'll go back over it. That was just all review. How many remember most of that from last week? Amen. I'm not lying if you weren't here last week in first service. That literally was the first service message. Now, notice this. Go up to just a little bit to verse 16 so everybody can see. Jesus is on earth now. Jesus, think about this. The Son of God who's equal with the Father who has made the entire universe and has watched this literally go to hell in a handbasket, who has watched angels fall, who has watched humans fall, is now on earth with an assignment. Everybody get that? He's now on earth with an assignment. Is he on earth to become a God? Is Jesus a man becoming a God? No. He's God becoming man. Does everybody get the difference? This is not a Hindu guru teaching you your meditative ways to get back up to your God status. This is not any of that nonsense. This is God taking on flesh like you going into space would have to put on a space suit. He came from heaven to earth and put on an earth suit. And now he wants to know what do they think I am. What do those people, just go up a few verses, what are they saying about me? Who do they say the Son of Man is? The Son of Man is the title given to the divine one who takes on flesh. In Daniel chapter 7, he saw the Ancient of Days and someone come up to him who looked like man and start to get worship, and he knew as a monotheist, we don't worship anybody but the Father. And as he saw that one who looked like a man get worshiped, he said, I guess we're worshiping a man now. But he didn't understand. It was the God man. We weren't becoming idolaters in Daniel chapter 7. What was happening is the Father was opening up heaven saying, it's just not me here. I have my son and I have the Holy Spirit. Are you all tracking with me? which I wish I had more time to get into, but I've done it so many times that you have to go back and listen to those messages. So he said, who do they say the Son of Man is? Some say John the Baptist, which is another human. Elijah, another human. Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And here you can see that these ridiculous people believed in reincarnation. That's not even taught in the Scripture. Are you listening to me? These, uh, Elijah and Jeremiah had already been dead and possibly even John the Baptist so they're thinking maybe John, and John the Baptist was his cousin. So they're possibly thinking John the Baptist died quickly and came back as a grown man quickly. This is some sci-fi craziness. That's how they were. So don't trust people out there. Most of them, you know, everybody's got opinions, and most of the time they stink. Are you guys tracking with me? They're like armpits, right? So everybody track with me. Now he says to them, who do you say I am? I want to know what you guys think. And what does Peter say? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Did Peter let's let's take our class let's take our test now class did peter mean you're the son of the living god like those angels in jeremiah uh, in job okay no did he mean you're the son of the living god like how uh, people in covenant with god the creatures of god are sons of the living god no did he mean that he was equal with the father worshiped like the father creator like the father from the very beginning like the father is that what he meant that he had the dna of the father absolutely that's what he meant that's why they wanted to kill Jesus. That's why they had issues with the Christians. Because they were worshiping Jesus as their God. Because he is. Amen? And he's not blaspheming if he's telling the truth. If I can beat you at basketball and I say I'm better at you than basketball, I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you the truth. <laughs> I'm not good at basketball, but you get my point? Does everybody get that? If Jesus says he's God, is he boasting? He's telling you the truth. Who is God? Jesus. There he is. Now notice what... Jesus says back to him, I've read it, now we're going to read it again with all that in mind. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for that was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So you're getting heavy revies right here, man. Come on, somebody say heavy revies. You're getting an understanding of the Godhead, the God nature. You're understanding the triunity of God. This is something only God would tell you. That's why all the pagan gods, they either look like monsters or they look like humans. God is the only one that doesn't look like anything you could ask, think, or imagine of a God to be. Three in one, how does that work? It confuses people who want to make him a three-headed monster or just want to make him one divine being up there like Thor or something that has other gods underneath him. No, the triunity of God is not something man came up with. It is who God is and who will you compare him to or make like him, the Bible says. He is the Father, he is the Son, and He's the Holy Spirit. So that didn't come from flesh and blood. It came from heaven. And then he changes his name from uh, from Simon to Peter. And then he says, on this rock, I will build my church. And the Catholics, which we have spent a lot of time messing with them in the previous messages, want to say that the church is literally built on Peter as a pope and then the successions that come afterward. But as I've taught you, Peter and the word rock are not the same word. One is Petros in the masculine and one is Petra in the feminine. Y'all tracking with me? Peter is not transgender. Okay? He is not gender confused. The reason why the word rock is in the feminine is because it's not the same name as Peter. It's not referring to the same thing. The rock that the church is built on is the confession that Peter just made. That's why when we have the faith of Peter, we get what Peter gets. What he got right here for his right answer is the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, who do you think had those keys? Adam and Eve. Who did they give them to? the devil. Right? You all tracking with me now? But now Jesus is coming back to snatch some keys from the devil and give it to his church. That's why when people say, I don't need the church, I have to remind them, you need a brain and you got to use it. Because the church is where the keys of the kingdom are at. Now what do the Catholics do? They say, it's only our church. And then they make up these lies about a succession of Peter, which you'll never find in the scriptures. But they're right in one thing. We need to take the church serious. We need to take the governmental authority of the church serious. Now put up that picture in our notes, please, of a king bowing before his bishops. The reason why Christendom did this is it's because it wanted to let every king know God is over you and we are over you. You see the bishop laying hands on a king there? That was the command of God in the Old Testament once they went in that direction. Everybody tracking with me? The king was under the authority of the prophet. Now, do I believe in Christian nations? No, I don't because in the new covenant, we do not start a Christian nation until Jesus Christ comes as the king to appoint kings. But why do you think they do this? This is the church of England over the king of England. Come on, everybody. Don't have me show you Aztecs doing it. Don't don't have me show you Romans doing it. Don't have me show you Pharaohs. From time and eternity in the past, religious folks have always been over their religious, uh, over their dictators, over their rulers, etc. Why did they tie that together? Because they understood God was over government. Now, if you want to understand about American history, what did they teach us? They taught us that Jesus is the only one that does this when he comes back, and he has not come back yet. So we're going to separate the church from the state. Does everybody get that? They didn't do that in Egypt with the Pharaoh, boy. If you were in Egypt, you were worshiping a Pharaoh or you getting taken out. So in other words, track this with me, everybody. It was biblical Christians who corrected the other ones. Who kicked England's butt, y'all, in the Revolutionary War? Was it Muslims? Was it atheists? Was it Buddhists? It was Christians that kicked their butts, How many are glad for the 4th of July? Wow. Yeah, it was Christians killing other Christians. But one Christian group was off. They were involved into a cult. A cult that believed that because they put their church over this man, that this man now had the authority of God. But it doesn't work like that, does it? So when Benjamin Franklin, or uh, rather Thomas Jefferson, was saying separation of church and state, he was not saying that because we as Christians as a whole wanted to do this. We were the very ones who killed people who wanted to do this. Has anybody ever studied the American Revolution? Has anybody watched the the documentary on it or watched the show on John Adams? We had already done this. The point of the church separation of state was that we affirmed it and wanted to make sure one church would not be put over all of us. That was us as Christians. We wanted, It was a Christian that wrote Thomas Jefferson. And when he said that in the letter, it was to a Christian because he didn't want to come back under a church state. Don't let the world tell you that we need their help. I don't need Oprah Winfrey's help to know that George, uh, uh, what was his name, Floyd, his life mattered. It mattered before she said it mattered because I'm a Christian and I believe we're one race, the human race. You all listening to me? I don't need some communist to tell me that we don't need to have a religious nation. I don't need that communist to tell me that. The Bible already told me how we do this. Are you listening to me? Now go to Revelation chapter 1. Because then everybody gets excited and say, oh, well, Christians, you don't have any authority. Oh, yes, we do. And it's coming to this earth. And until it does, I practice it somewhere. Where do you think Christians practice their authority? In the church. Somebody say in the church. Does Jesus have the keys of the kingdom? Absolutely he does. Go to Revelation chapter 1. This is after the ascension of Jesus. He's in heaven. He's speaking now to his apostle John. Look at what he says and put it in the King James for me, please. You guys are doing awesome back there. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn among the dead, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood, he hath made us what? Kings and what? Priest unto God his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Wow. So are there going to be kings on this earth? Absolutely. Point to where they're going to come from. Right here. Do you know that Jesus talked more about ruling on earth than he did about heaven? Some of y'all waiting to get to heaven. Heaven's waiting to come to earth. I just can't wait to get to heaven. And people who are in heaven right now are like, send me down. I'm ready. Put me in the game, coach. Let's put it in order. I just can't wait to get. You know what heaven's like? Heaven's like that vacation. It's not your home, but you're glad to be there for a little bit. How many like vacations? But how many like your bed better? Come on, if I could take my house wherever I stay, that's what I like to do. Some people are like, we well, they got to think for that. It's called a mobile home. No, I don't want to live in a truck. I want to live in my house. I want my whole house next to the beach. Are you listening to me? And that's why people get vacation homes. I understand because you want, you want your funk when you go in there. You want your stuff. You want, it's your house, amen? Heaven is not our home. This is our home. And we're taking it back in Jesus' name. And we're going to rule and reign in this place in Jesus' name. And the world may feel uncomfortable when we talk about government authority, but I don't care what they think about it. I don't care what they feel about it. When they see Jesus coming on a white horse to put his boot on top of their neck, they'll be shouting, oh, my, and I'll be shouting, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. They'll be going, no, and I'll be going, Yes. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God's coming back to set stuff in order. He's coming to grab kings by the neck and put them under his feet. The Bible says on judgment day, the blood will be as high as a horse's head for over a hundred miles. There is authority upon this. Or somebody say authority. Thank you. Jesus talked more about ruling and reigning and taking care of his business than he did about heaven. Heaven was not on Jesus' mind. Jesus said, I have many mansions and all of those things. Don't worry about it. How many know there's condos at the beach for you? But you don't got to worry about it. what he said. Think about is this this world right here. What are we supposed to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth, as it is where? In heaven. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Luke Twelve Thrones. The Bible talks about 12 thrones that the apostles will be on. I don't care if it makes the world uncomfortable. They need to feel uncomfortable. Uh, Excuse me, Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. We're not just a church that talks about Noah's Ark and what it's going to be like when you get to heaven and get butterfly wings and fly around like a naked baby. If you remember the series that we started here about the church, I told you from the very beginning, most people think the church is a Taco Bell, Church is not Taco Bell. It's a taqueria. Get the real thing. Amen? And I just went out with Brother Isaiah to get some tacos. Man, they got expensive. Inflation is hurting, y'all. When we spent 100 bucks. The Lord blessed us through the church. I know our church is grateful to bless these young men and people who do ministry. We're out preaching. And so the church blessed us with our lunch. And I looked at it. It was like $100. And I'm like, we only got about 12 tacos and a burrito. I felt bad because I never talk about money when I bless somebody from the church. So I didn't want Isaiah to feel bad. He's like, oh, man, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, man, I just want to understand how much the taco is now. So I said, translate this for me. How much a taco is now? You know, we at the real one. They don't understand English very well. How many like those kind of places, you know? And so it, it, she was like, oh, it's $3.75. I'm like, oh, man. How many remember $2 tacos? Man, I remember $1 tacos. I'm like, what is going on? I'm serious, man. I'm old school, man. And so I'm thinking to myself, this is why our country is hurting right now, man. You shouldn't be spending $4 after tax on a taco. I saw a place just by my house, Taco Tuesday, three tacos for $6. dollars they have down to $2 for the Taco Tuesday. I'm going to check them out. Amen. But look at this. This is, like, this is the church. Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on how many thrones? Twelve thrones. The twelve apostles are going to be your rulers, boys and girls. When Jesus comes down, it is not going to be a Sunday school. Go to Psalm chapter 2, please. How many enjoying the message? You better get with these gods. You better get with these lords because they're in charge. Jesus is ruling among them, and this time it's going to be done right. Why do the nations conspire? People's plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their uh, chains and throw off their shackles. So the world says, man, get me out of this. I don't want this. He, the, the world says that they call God's commands their chains and their shackles. Man, I don't want to have to know my gender. I don't want to have to be married to one uh, of the opposite sex. I, I don't want that. I'm going to get away from this. I'm going to abort my children. I'm going to persecute the church, and that's why the Christian people are the most persecuted people across the globe. Let us get away from all of this. And the one in heaven laughs. Remember when it said in King James, he's terrible? You about ready to learn about it right now. He laughs, and the Lord scoffs at them. He mocks them, and he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. Remember we said the word terrible? Terrifying in his wrath, saying, I have, somebody say, I have, installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. That's King Jesus. How many like King Jesus? Look at what it says. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the end of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Some of my friends are pastors and they like dressing up like construction workers to say God's going to be building something new in your life. Look at me, guys. I got my hammer. I'm just like Jesus. going to build something in your life today. Thank you, boys. Now, I got a better illustration. Somebody get me a baseball bat and one of those pottery things in the back of my neighbor's yard and let me bash it in pieces a little bit. And then let me take, get ready to meet my Jesus. How many know when I start getting red in the face and I start taking some swings at pottery, y'all going to get an illustration real quick. This is what Jesus is going to be like. There's reasons why we believe in hell, y'all. It's not just simply because we want to scare the hell out of people. We believe God is a God of judgment. That should terrify them, but also get them to respect him. I'm not going to hell. How many are going to heaven with Jesus to rule on the earth? But how many respect him for having a hell? When you look at hell, you will not feel sorry for him. You're going to go... Well done, Jesus. Keep them in there. I promise you, you will say that. You will see every sinner for what they are, and you will see it through the eyes of Jesus Christ. You won't be looking at Ellen Degenerate, feeling sorry for her. She has not repented. say, well, you had your chance, Ellen. The Bible says you will see them for a thousand years in suffering. After that, they get thrown into the lake of fire. Hell is for them temporary like heaven is temporary for us. Heaven is our vacation. Hell is their their, uh, their, uh, uh, state jail or uh, city lockup, county lockup. You understand? How many would rather be at the beach in a condo as opposed to this uh, county lockup downtown, Cook County? Hello? Right? They're in the Cook County. We're by the beach somewhere in Florida, Puerto Rico, wherever you want to be at a beautiful beach. Bahamas, right? Okay? That's where they are temporarily. After the thousand-year reign, they get sent to the lake of fire. That's the state penitentiary. We come down to rule and reign with Christ. Everybody get that? Therefore, you kings of the earth, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Brothers and sisters, we are the leaders that Jesus Christ has called us to be. Go with me in the Bible right now to the book of Revelation. Go to chapter 21. How many are ready for heaven to come to earth? How many are ready to rule some cities with Jesus when he comes back? Look at Revelation chapter 21. When I look at the Bible, I don't just think about heaven. I think about ruling and reigning with Christ. The Bible teaches us that we are going to be the rulers upon this earth, and it starts in the church. And we need to stop letting this world take our authority and take away everything that Jesus has given us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. There is no sea, no longer a sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Can I hear an amen? How many are looking forward to that day? Amen. Now look up Lauren for me where he gives them rulership over 10 cities with the bags of gold. Turn with me quickly to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I just got a few scriptures I want to share with you, many that the Lord is putting on my heart even now. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, look what the Bible says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you can participate in the divine nature. How many are participating in the divine nature? Amen. This is what it's like until he comes back, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. What do we do now, in other words? We do this in the church. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and the mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is what? Is what? Notice that what he calls them is what? Is what? Nearsighted and what? Blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Where is it at, Lauren? Luke 19, please. Go to Luke chapter 19. If you don't know your assignment, you won't have the vision to see what God is doing. And it's verse 17. Thank you. Go to verse 17. Daryl, would you come, please? Or who was ever on the keys, please and thank you. Notice this, brothers and sisters that when we get rewarded, he'll say, well done, my good servant. His master replies, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of how many cities? Why is it when Jesus talks about blessings, he doesn't say, take charge of four golden chariots in heaven? When I talk to my friends, they're like, I can't wait to go to heaven so I can wakeboard. I can't wait to go to heaven so I can go fishing. You're not doing any of that in heaven. Do you know what you're doing in heaven? You're worshiping Jesus, the king, and, and feeding his horse until it comes down to conquer the earth. Hey, is this the horse he's coming down on? Okay, I'm going to get him some hay. <clears throat> All right, horsey, you're going to be conquering the world with Jesus in just a little bit. Please get the scripture with the white horses. I may just start having a reader up here. Is that okay? It's an old school way of doing it. Seriously, I'm about ready to have somebody to sit on a stool with a a, 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 a mic and have the table in front of them because I got too much to give you that I can even write in my notes. I don't have the scripture memorized like I should. I don't know every uh, address, but I know where it's at, and I just want to give you so much in this series. Just hold on to that scripture for a minute, Lord, but I want you to get this. He said, I'm going to put you in charge of ten cities. Do you remember when, when Jesus was about ready to ascend to heaven in the book of Acts? They said, is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, don't worry about the dates and the times. Don't worry about that. Wait for the promise of my Father. And then you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. Somebody say power. power. Somebody say power. 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 Come on, power. power. That's what we receive. Put in First Corinthians chapter 6 before we go to in scripture. Why do you need power? To be his witness. What are you witnessing? I want everybody to get this. What are you witnessing? You're witnessing to the kingdom of God coming. Notice what the scripture says. Y'all having all these arguments and fights? Don't you know that the Lord's people will judge the world? Highlight verse 2, please. The Lord's people will what the world? What is the Lord's people going to do in this world? What did he call the judges of the Old Testament? Now you know the scripture. Now you know it. And what does Corinthians address to the church? If you, are not, if you are going to judge the world, why aren't you competent to judge things right now? Man, if you got the power of God to be a witness and one day you are going to judge the world, why are you not competent to judge trivial things? You better learn how to make your godly judgments now. Do not let some backslider tell you that Matthew chapter 6 taught you not to judge ever. It says, Don't make hypocritical judgments. But John chapter 7 said, Jesus speaking, judge righteously. And Paul said, Don't you know you're going to judge the world? Yeah, go and put it back up there that king bowing before his pastor. That's us. Not to literal kings yet, but that's us with our authority right now. Where's the mayor? Have her come down and kneel and let me now set her straight. Whoo, y'all get quiet. What are these corny people showing us? That Christendom tried to bring heaven to earth before it was its time. But you better understand that's what heaven on earth is going to look like. When you are over cities, who do you think you'll be appointing over those cities? The ones you want to rule and reign with you. When God puts up his apostles, you will be going to them like the Supreme Court, asking Peter to solve the issue. They will be sitting in thrones around the one throne. You will see literal thrones. You will go to the King of Kings, King of Kings. And Paul said it, not me. Paul said, if that's going to be you one day, why can't you be competent now? Please go back. Remember we talked about those angels? Do you not know you will judge angels? You will judge them. Oh, I just want to talk to my guardian angel. Man, I command him in Jesus' name. I don't have to ask my guardian angel to do anything. I command him in Jesus' name to do what the Lord said he's supposed to do. The Bible says angels are our servants. Hebrews chapter 1, please. Don't forget about law scripture. How much more the things of this life. You're going to judge the world, brother and sister. You're going to judge angels. And what is his point? Now you're going to go out there and just try to start Christendom all over again. No, 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 no. If you know that's your authority, stop letting some demon mess with you. Are you listening to me? Well, I got woken up in the middle of the night by a demon. Then rebuke him in Jesus' name. You are his judge. You are his judge. Scroll down a little bit, please. This will put some pep in your step. Keep keep scrolling. It's all, it's at the bottom of Hebrews chapter one. Oh, right there it is. You just pass it. Starts in the middle there. What does he say about his angels? He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. Keep going. Keep going. Please scroll down. Keep going. Verse 14, now it's at the end. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to what? Sent to what? Serve those who will inherit eternal salvation. That's why in Ephesians 6, when it says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and wickedness in high places. It says, stand your ground, soldier. Woo! You got the good ones on your side waiting to serve whenever you say it. You don't have to have a statue of them and light a candle to them. You just tell them in Jesus' name. He said he would have angels camp about me. Angels get to work in Jesus' name. And you fallen demon, perverted demons, witchcraft demons. People are scared of Halloween. I'm not scared of Halloween. The devil don't got a day. Jesus made every single one of them. And if you don't want your children to dress up like one, you know, one of these superheroes, obviously don't have them dress up dirty and nasty. But if you don't want your kids to dress up like Iron Man, that's up to you. But my kids are gonna dress up like Iron Man and eat the candy. Well, don't you know a witch cursed it? Let that witch meet the blessing of the Lord. Because when my kids touch that candy, they're blessed. I'm tired of seeing every Christian talk about deliverance. I just saw one on the video today. And it's got some big, dark, scary demon hovering over some little poor, cowering Christian. I am not some weak-willed Christian. I am a judge of angels made to be a Lord and a King to this earth, serving the King of kings. And they listen when I talk in Jesus' name. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. God said, you are like Jesus in this world. Ain't nobody like Jesus. That's not you then. I'm talking about me then. Nobody's perfect. When I'm not talking about you, then I'm talking about me because I'm perfect like my heavenly father. Well, what if you sin? I get rid of it in quickness. Are you listening? But I'm not letting some devil convince me that I'm a worm of the earth. I'm what God called his servant. Look at it. Just scroll up, please. Verse 15. Verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. How many believe Jesus is that son of God? The unique, the only begotten. Nobody's like him. And so we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Amen. And whoever lives in love lives in God. This is how love is made complete among us, that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like In this world, we are like the devil. In this world, we're like some Buddhist monk. In this world, we're like the police. No, no. In this world, we are like Jesus. That's what you're like. You're like Jesus. Oh, nobody's like you. Well, talk for yourself then. I'm like Jesus. I'm like Jesus. When I pray for the sick, they can get healed like Jesus. Go to John 14, 12. He said, what you've seen me do, you can do. What you saw me do, you can do in my name. we coming around as ambassadors for Christ. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I represent a king and a kingdom. Brothers and sisters. You now know how they can get hype and they go back to that. Put that man bowing before his pastor again. You can see how people got hype and said, well, let's start conquering. Let's get swords. Let's go fight. But he said, that's not how we do it. This is what I want you all to have. I want you all to have the intensity of this, but the method of this. I want you to understand when you pray for a mayor, you praying like that. When you're praying for God's favor on your job, you praying like that. When you're praying for your neighborhood to change, you seeing a gangbanger kneel before God in this church. But you're not forcing it. You're not doing it by force. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. But you understand it spiritually. This is what God put in us. Going back to John 14, you truly know whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Why can't nobody do what Jesus did. He told me to do what he did. He told me to do what he did. That's why we cast out demons. That's why we pray for the sick. That's why we go out preaching. We also have to be ready to be crucified with them because because he said, take up your cross. Hello, you act like Jesus, they're going to treat you like Jesus. He says, and they will do even greater things than these. Why? Because I go to the Father. When Jesus was on earth, there was only one person representing that kingdom at that one time. Peter was then the first member of that church, but that church began to spread. That's what he means by greater. We don't become greater than the Son of God in nature. We become greater as we multiply because we don't die. The church keeps growing and spreading across the earth. When he was only there in Palestine and Israel, now we're in India and China and Latin and South America. Come on, people. Central and South America, the gospel is spreading. And I'll do whatever you ask. Jesus said that. I'll do whatever you ask in my name. That's according to that kingdom. Remember how he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, I want to win that billion-dollar lottery. That may not be God's will. Well, I want to have a, a, a wife by the time this time next year. That may not be God's will. You may have to be single for a, a reason and a season. But you pray according to his will. The Father will be glorified in his name. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. God is looking for those with authority on the earth. It's time to start making the devil nervous you understand what I'm saying, people? Brothers and sisters, don't let this world back you in a corner and say you don't have authority. You have authority in Jesus' name. You have the power of the Holy Ghost. Greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And that's not just so you can get to church on time. That's so that you can start businesses, build, bless your families, build communities, and not be intimidated by anybody in the fleshly realm or in the spiritual realm you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus would you stand up and bless him today how many want to live for Jesus like that amen band and altar workers would you come thank you for service did you get it brother Michael